from a distant galaxy, they have come to Earth. Dolph Lundgren as He-Man, Frank Langella as Skeletor. Only they have the powers to be. Masters of the Universe, live the adventure. A world where anything seems possible, and nothing is what it seems. This Organized Chaos podcast is brought to you by Gems Art Studio. This podcast is also brought to you by listeners like you. Thank you. Hello and welcome to our Organized Chaos podcast. Once again, the single greatest episode of any podcast ever. Congratulations on joining. Um, Bobby will not be joining me today. He is he is being awful and like spending time with his wife and going on a vacation. What like, a terrible thing God, to do. How selfish. What a jerk. What a jerk. Seriously. <sighs> I called up George. George is here. Uh, how you doing, George? <laughs> I'm doing good. Thanks, Bob. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you could prioritize the podcast over your personal life, unlike some people. I mean, I can totally <laughs> be taking a nap right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I would never, ever take a nap right before the podcast and kind or of... Or doing dishes or laundry I would never do something. something like that. I never No, noticed. no. <laughs> we don't do those things around here. No. No, but seriously, it looks like uh, I've been seeing some of his pictures. It looks like Bobby's having some fun. Uh, looking for, uh, He will be back next week, of course. But this week, uh, George and I will be doing a Garbage and Tears for Fears uh, album ranking. Except we won't. Except that fell through, too. <laughs> well, there... this is. Oh, go ahead, George. Show was postponed, so we might do that later. Yes. Do an album. Yes. Yes. Thing later. OK. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't that the show was postponed. It's just our ability to go to the show was postponed <laughs> i still don't know if i can make it or not i really really want to uh i hope you can uh i've seen clips and it looks it looks good <laughs> yeah and i've but, been yeah seeing people talk about it too and they said they're still putting on really good shows Mm-hmm. it should be good but uh yeah we'll figure that out later uh that will likely be coming sometime in june though in about a month so, uh, at the last minute, George and I had to completely figure out what we're doing for a podcast, and we decided to pick out some childhood uh, underrated movies. Uh, we are going to be talking about the uh, uh, much loathed, although I think we're going to have some controversial opinions here, uh, because everybody hates this movie, but we're going to be talking about Masters of the Universe, 1987, right? Yep. I almost thought yeah. that both of the movies that we were talking about came out in the same year, but that is not the case. They're one year That's apart. That's right, isn't? Yeah, it, yeah. Labyrinth is eighty six, I believe. Nineteen eighty six. I could have sworn that was eighty seven. I, you so. know, I was thinking they were both eighty six, so I think we were both in a similar path. I was want to say eighty six for Universe, but I was like, wait, wait, I think it's eighty seven. I mean, yeah. Hmm. But yes, uh, we will also be talking about Labyrinth. Uh, and you might be like, Labyrinth isn't underrated. Where are you talking about? And I'm like, and we will get to that when we get to the discussion. But uh, before we got to that, I thought it'd be fun to actually talk to George. Because uh, he's done the podcast a few times. 
Nice to, to formally introduce him. So, hey, George, how you doing? <laughs> doing okay. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Yep, George, Bob and I go way back. Uh, what are we coming up on now, Bob? Uh, we've known each other for two years. Two years. Yes, Th- yes I think I'm we, 22. <laughs> I think we met in the year 2000, and that was two years ago, right? Yes, yes, that sounds right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that means I'm 20. You're a year older than me, I think, so I'm 21. Yeah, we're going. No, actually, that. I'm only I'm only a couple months older than you. Oh, I thought you were almost like a year older. Oh, okay. No, okay, no, so I'm, we're both I'm in August of 1981. Oh, okay. Yeah. So maybe attention. it's Jill. That's a, Jill might be a year older then. I Jill is nine days younger than me. Yeah. <laughs> I can't keep up with this anymore. I know. <laughs> Anyways, well, yeah, my... we met. We met two years ago, back in good old yeah. <laughs> the year 2000. Yeah. <laughs> the year 2000, the far off future date. <laughs> yes. How's your flying car going? <laughs> uh well uh i had to get a tune-up uh this evening mm-hmm. but that's after i had my hydrated pizza of course pizza yes Hut. yes no, uh, no that, product placement here stuff. i didn't say any product placement yeah nope. and and you can mail the check too <laughs> <laughs> people only do things because they get paid yeah oh i'm getting a headache <laughs> here take two of these <laughs> yes uh but yeah george and i are friends from college uh broadcasting school uh we mainly met because george was uh doing a band and what that's right uh there is a group uh in broadcasting school and there was three of us and then yeah there was matt and then he introduced the two of us. And I don't remember what that original project was. Do you? Um, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we worked on a a project before we did the band stuff. I don't remember what the project was. Yeah. Something for Harry and I Jeff, I think. I don't remember it all either. But I think I wore my Pink Floyd shirt when we talked about Pink Floyd for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for a while, yeah. They're like, oh, you like Pink Floyd, too. Do you like Star Wars? Yeah, I like Star Wars. Okay, we can be friends. <laughs> yes, yes, we can be friends now. Yeah. <laughs> you, you have passed. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think the band stuff came a little later, because we, um, let's see, I think I met Ryan later that year, and I met him through Earl, who was also in our class. Mm-hmm. And, yes, yes, that's right. Yeah. So, I'm trying to remember. So, we did... We did a show, um, but Ryan wasn't in the band yet. It was still John. So we did a show, and then John left. Ryan joined. Yes. Then we did recorded the album for part of the school projects because we were allowed to use the studio mm-hmm. after night. And we did the videos for our video projects, which we were allowed to use the Final Cut studio after hours. Did we sleep? Yes. Mm. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> it seemed like we were doing that every night, mm-hmm. almost. Yeah. Well, I just remembered. Uh, like it was. I was more on the video end, and and you were definitely more the audio end. And like, yeah, just kind of. We were a good team. We were a good team. So yeah, the the videos were really cool. I remember we we sampled tons of movies and. Yes, <laughs> I, I remember the fun. I can't remember all of it, but one of the funniest parts was we had a clip 
of the never ending story we were using like all the nothing shots of like the landscapes and things like that we ha- we're mm-hmm. <laughs> the rock fighter like kept popping up every time we were trying to do an edit we're like oh why don't we get the rock fighter out yeah. of that shot <laughs> <laughs> so yeah but yeah that was good times yeah, the, in case you're wondering, the band was called Adam Structure, and it, they were very. It, it was a big band. It was a big band in uh, in um, 2001, 2002. Sure, sure, yes, yes. It's very popular. You heard it all over the radio. <laughs> you may not remember it, but it was huge. <laughs> we had we had yeah. a couple groupies, like a couple of yes, people that yes. followed us around and were really into it. Um, you know, we had a a show that we played at. Um, we did all those videos, Bo, and I think we only ever used them for one show. Yeah, and we well, played. I was sh- thinking, man, we do you still have the videos and stuff like that? I do. Yeah, I have everything. You might want to set up a, some sort of YouTube thing or something. Yeah, maybe. I still have the master yeah, tapes. Yeah, we are literally brainstorming um, stuff we could do to promote a band from 20 years ago. <laughs> if I if I had an ADAP machine, I could actually remix it and actually make it sound halfway decent. It sounds a little um, lacking on the bass end. Like, there's not a lot of bass on it. Yeah. And it, actually, some I was going mi- to ask you. Oh, go oh. ahead. I was just going to ask you if you had any uh, any of the original like track recordings. Because I, yeah. I was kind of interested, maybe like maybe I would experiment and do a remix or something. I want mind trying something out. I've learned a lot sure. about audio in the past like couple years, and it's like I kind of um, want to experiment. <laughs> yeah, if I can just find someone with an ADAT machine that is willing to bounce the tracks down to like WAV files or something, yeah. Hmm. Because I think Ryan I, and I have, have talked about doing a revisit on a, a track or two. That could be cool. I mean, yeah, I. I'd be down for that. Yeah. yeah, there's a few tracks on there I still really like. Now I don't feel the same way about all of the songs, but you know, there's still a few on there that I really like. Yeah, I remember liking, like, especially was it the fourth one? I think it was the fourth one you were working a lot on at that time. The fourth and was one? that was it like yeah. song number four? No, the fourth. You did, you did the fourth album. Oh, yeah, that's the one we did was the fourth. I did three with yeah. John and then yes, we did the, yes, the right, fourth yeah. one. And then we were going to work on the fifth one, but that um, fell through. Yeah. So I real think life. Uh, real life sucks. Re- <laughs> real life happens. Ryan, yeah. Ryan and I did do a few tracks together. Um, when I transferred to OU, he came over for a few sessions and we did a, a few things. And then I started doing stuff with Melissa um, mm-hmm. and that's what I'm doing now. I'm kind of doing this, uh, it's kind of like, it's more 80 sounding. It has definitely has like a synth wave kind mm-hmm. of new wave kind of one. So mm-hmm. I've gotten good. Yeah. I haven't heard a whole, I haven't heard a whole lot of your stuff from Melissa. I wouldn't mind hearing it. Um, so we have, I'm trying to think, uh, Oh, we have a bunch ahead. of instrumentals done. Um, we haven't gotten so far down vocals. We've done a little bit here and there, but it's yeah, it's it's really good. So we'll okay. see. Well, I I'm definitely like, won't mind listening to that. Uh, but yeah, maybe I'll share, even, I'll share some clips thinking, with you. Yeah, I was even thinking if you, if you want to hear them. Yeah, we could definitely like set up like a you. Uh, now I'm thinking just set up a YouTube thing and like 
get your sh- stuff out there because I'm not not even sure how you get stuff out there anymore. And it's uh, all the internet anymore. And um, it's all seems like it's all indie. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, a pop star. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. Oh, yeah. Happy to share. Um, trying to think of. So after college, um, I think you moved up here for a little bit. Yeah, I jumped around. You were in Athens. Yeah, I was in Athens for. That's right. You were in Athens. You were in Logan, and I was in Athens for a while. Yeah, and then yeah, and then I moved up to Pataskala, and then you were in. Were you in Pataskala too? I eventually moved up to. Columbus? I, yeah, no, I moved up to Columbus and then I moved to I'm brain farting. Um, Gahana. Gahana. Gahana, yeah. Gahana, and then you, sure. It's the, been a while. And yeah, yeah I can, it's been I can a while. see the word. I can see. <laughs> but yeah, so. and then uh, and then Oxford. And then <laughs> Oxford, yep. And then you stayed up there. What's up with that? And then you... Uh, I, well, I, I went to Dublin for a while. And then I um, came back to Pataskala. Now I'm in Canal. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're, you're not in Pataskala anymore. That's crazy. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> so, but yeah. No, it's, yeah, it's, it's, been, a, it's been a journey. Mm-hmm. So. Yes, it has. <laughs> but, yeah, we definitely, I'm definitely interested in some stuff that you, some of the music you put together. I want you yeah. to um, and I want to do some more songs for the channel too, because I I've just done the one song, and that it's one of those That's things right. where like I mean I threw it together, mm-hmm. um, and we could we could talk about it some other time. Like mm-hmm. people are interested in what I used on it gear wise, but yeah. it yeah it only took took about a week to put together, and I'm like I listened to it, and I'm like yeah it's kind of cool, but I sh- I could probably come up with something more interesting than that. So. <laughs> Well, I, I think it's cool, but if you want to do more to it, I'm game. I know Bobby was talking about doing something. I don't know if he was talking about just the, the main theme or a podcast thing, but I know. Bobby I definitely plays think guitar, you, you doesn't guys he? should work together. Yeah, he does guitar and bass. Yeah, and like, it'd be cool if you did, like, a mix. more guitar version of it, like, different Ooh, tape. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah. Yes, music for the channel. You see, I'm not a music guy at all. I'm like, ooh, that sounds nice. I like sounds. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll do a music discussion yeah, on another definitely. video. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why I like having you guys in, especially if we're going to talk about the bands, because I'm like, uh, this song is good because I like it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so I liked how this part was three decibel qu- decibels quieter than the other part. And then, that, yes. you know... <laughs> it took very a break technical. for four measures and then it came yes <laughs> yes very technical um okay yeah that's um, kind of uh the, the history of myself and george if you guys were ever wondering uh we've been friends realistically we've been friends for 22 years now yeah, Jesus, i know I realize that Jesus oh my Christ. god yeah. oh my god <laughs> <laughs> um but I'm hoping I that I don't know this... how I'm still 22. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's it's like <laughs> it's just frozen in time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I hope like this could be one of many discussions for these type of movies because I'm 
almost positive, like back in, in those days, Bob, that we've talked about these specific movies and we even watched them together a couple of times, I feel like. Oh, I'm certain. So, uh, yeah. yeah, rolling straight into the movies, we're going to talk about, first off, Masters of the Universe. Uh, this is a much maligned movie in general. Like, everybody hates this movie. And I don't think I, I like it as much as you do, George. But I will say, like, especially upon this rewatch, this is fine. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, I think, I think part of the reason why it's hated is because, like, if you want to call, this is a bad adaptation of Masters of the Universe. I'll go ahead and say it. But as far as just movies, this is just like a cheesy B, sci-fi B movie, and it's, it's very enjoyable for what it is. Yeah, yeah and, if you're able yeah. to step. If you can separate it, you know, it's one of those films where people, I think, are more disappointed about what it could have been. Yeah. So if you kind of if the show had ever existed, the toy line mm-hmm. had ever existed, if this is what we knew of Masters of the Universe would have been better received, maybe. Um, Potentially. Um, I think like especially like. It wouldn't even surprise me if this is a rewritten from some other script. Because it strikes me, you take the, the, the you know, the He-Man, Dolph Lundgren. You take him, you dress him up just like Matt Arms. And this could be, like, just an entertaining, just sci-fi adventure. Sure. Guys jumping around in space, you know. Take the names um, from it. Name the names. So just kind of a, a brief history. Um, I, I'm not a fan of this series at all. You know, not I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was the toy line first. Mattel, I think it started to come out in 82. Um, this would have been um, probably the height of the sword and sorcery genre that was becoming popular in the late 70s. But I think 82 was the first Conan movie. Does that sound right, Bob? You that know, sounds it, right. Yeah, so there were a lot of things happening for that genre and it was very popular so that toy line came out mixing like that with sci-fi elements because star wars was big around that time too um so yeah there were the toys and then the toys came with little mini comics because they didn't have any other material other than that they could kids could have adventures for so they wrote the little mini comics that came with the figures and then the the filmation show came a little later so um so yeah the movie came out and um of course there wasn't really cgi or any way to do some of the characters as seen in the show so there's no orco there was no battle cat um i I think he-man um the Prince Adam transforming into He-Man, I think, was added for the filmation show, the cartoon. So, but a lot of people complain that, oh, it was like He-Man never tried Adam. He was just always He-Man. Um, yeah. So it, I think there was a lot of flack for this because a lot of people um, were comparing it to the T show. But honestly, like... Um, I didn't see this in theaters. Did you see this in theaters? Yes, actually. Mm. Okay, cool. I 
barely remember it because I was pretty young then. But yes, I remember going to the I think we did a drive in theater to watch it. Oh, it cool. Familiar. Yeah, that wouldn't be fun to see the drive in. Um, yeah. So my grandfather taped it off of Showtime when it first aired on TV. So, I mean, by that time, the show was already out of syndication. Like it, it wasn't running past this point. So like, I kind of vaguely remember the show when I was little, but I think I remember the toys more. Um, yeah, I definitely remember the toys more. I had lots of those toys. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. I've been kind of collecting them here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is really what I knew it's like and Bob you can attest to this is back in those days you had what you had on video and, and when you're a yeah. kid you don't have a ton of videos you just watch the same 10 or 15 tapes you have over and over oh, and yeah. over again and this, no, this is, that was one of them yeah yeah uh Ah, I think I must have had it on video, but I know for me, like the tapes I burned out, it would be it'd be like Back to the Future, Karate Kid, um, Ghostbusters, Raiders yeah. of the Lost Ark. Oh, God, Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that got burned out. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, just going off topic, I think like say we had this one, we had the first Ninja Turtles movie, which could be another fun one to discuss someday because I really like that movie. Yeah. Um, the first Batman, we had, of course, Star Wars and Indiana Jones and all those. So, yeah, we just wore those. Never wore them out, but we watched them a ton. Like a ton, ton. Yeah. So. And it, it, uh, off topic again, it's weird going back and looking at VHSs now because it's like, oh, my God, this looks awful. We watched this. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's what yeah, we, you didn't. I mean, there's nothing to compare it to back then. That's just exactly what you, when what there's you nothing compared to. It's like, ooh, hey, we can take the movie home, and now, now you look at it, it's like, my God, look yeah. at all that interference. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Um, Did they point a camera at the 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 theater screen and record? What they do with this? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but but yeah, um, yeah. Like I was already saying, I. Do I did enjoy this movie? Um, it's not perfect, but I, I like. In fact, I'll go ahead and tell you my biggest gripe about this movie. So, obviously, you have your main Eternian characters. You have He Man. You have uh, Man at Arms. You have Tila, and you have Gwildor, who I always felt like was an Orco stand-in. He was. Uh, he was the Orco replacement. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, instead of uh, having somebody flying around with no mouth, you have a dwarf played by Billy Barty. Honestly, I, w- I also want to say, I think all the actors here do a good job. Um, I think Dolph Lundgren's probably the weakest actor of the bunch. And I it, I feel like he's trying, but he's not given strong enough direction to really work with. Hmm. Interesting. I thought he was fine. Um, I, no, to me, he's like, fine. He, he's fine. I don't, I don't want to seemed... say he's bad. I think he's the weakest, though. But yeah. yeah even in the show, like He-Man always kind of had the Superman kind of... Um, personality where he definitely seems flatter than his uh, friends like the friends have more of a dynamic personality and he's just kind of no i thought he i thought he was totally fine um oh yeah well i do want to talk about franklin jolla because he almost comes from the other end he chews scenery in this movie so much and it's kind of just wonderful whenever he's on screen he's 
having you, you know when you're a kid you don't really think about it but rewatching it as an adult um it's like wow that that was a great performance and i think that was uh one of his kids was really big in the masters of the universe and that's why he took the role because he mm-hmm. um there's a there's a documentary out there on um it's on netflix and i think it's uh hold on i'm brain farting um the toys that made us oh okay yeah i've seen uh, ads for that i have not watched any of those episodes yet really good yeah they they went through and they talk about the toy line but they also talked about the show and the movie mm-hmm. and i think that's where i heard that from was from that mm-hmm. that show um oh. but yeah i was i was just gonna say uh we didn't get to the big story point that I really like. Here's the deal. It's it's a big story point, but only comes in at the end. So you have the Eternity character, Eternity, Eternia characters go to Earth and they meet some human characters. They meet uh, Courtney, Courtney Cox, Cox and Tom Paris. Yeah. <laughs> OK, so can we stop there for a minute? Sure. When you watch huh. the movie. Um, OK, so they. Use the cosmic key. They go punch in a, an address at random and they end up at Earth. Okay, so they go through Earth and then they cut to the scene of her working in a uh, um, fast food, the chicken place. Yeah. Not and as soon as they scene. cut to not that me. scene and like, okay, it's so jarring because it almost feels like you're not watching the same movie because you, yeah, you have that scene where, where she's talking to her coworker and it wasn't gently transitioned. It was just like, Bam. And now we're now we're here. And like, it's uh, um, it's very jarring. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, I don't recall how well they set that up. Now it kind of makes me want to go back and say, was there at least a line saying, hey, we don't know where we'll end up. And then you cut to that. Um, it does seem like you'd probably have something, but I don't remember. They might have just cut to that, which would be crazy. <laughs> it, I think it was just a cut. There wasn't a transition or, or anything like that. They they land. That would and, be um, jarring. That would uh, I think it's right after the scene where Gwildor is playing with the uh, the cow. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, yes, you're right. I think that. Yeah, it is kind of uh, weird. Uh, well, they travel to Earth. Uh, and Courtney Cox. Cox's character is set up with character arc because her parents recently died. And she blames herself for it. And the clear character arc is that she has to learn not to blame herself for it. The accidents happen and it wasn't her fault and she can't be laying the blame on herself. Well, and she had a good support system, too. And she's like, oh, I'm moving away. And it's like Kevin loves her. It's like I'm moving. I'm leaving you behind. And it's it's like it's like, whoa, you're going a little little too far here. (laughs) Yeah, it's a bit much. Now yeah. that the clear arc is her to learn and move and you know figure out her life after this, but what the movie ends up going with is a thing where she goes back in time and actually does prevent her parents' death, which is oh, it doesn't sit right with me at all. <laughs> yeah, spoilers. Yeah, so at the very end, um, end yeah. of the movie, um, <laughs> they go back to Earth, Kevin and mm-hmm. Julie, and. Mm-hmm. You know, Gwildor offers to send them back to any in history. And they're like, no, we just want to go home. 
they go through the portal and then she turns around. She's like, no, no, send us back, send us back. And Gwildor sends them back to the time before the parents' death. Yeah. 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 It, uh, yeah, it really strikes me as a wasted arc there. Of course, they didn't really set up throughout the movie, which a lot of this movie feels a bit haphazard, which is why I'm kind of shocked that it turns out as entertaining as it does. Um, yeah, no, it's very entertaining. Yeah. Oh, another actor. He, The actor who plays all the same roles. I don't know his name, but I think he, he played Ludwig here. But it, it's the same. It's the guy from oh, Top Gun, Back to the um, Future. He always Lubick. plays that he, role. He play, yes, yeah. Lubick. And I'm going to... I need to look that up real quick. Because yes, I can never he, remember his name either. He's, um, if you've watched like 80s movies, you know who this guy is. <laughs> yes, <laughs> James Tolkien. <laughs> yes, that's him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're a slacker, McFly. That, yeah, that he guy. was <laughs> never, ever typecasted. <laughs> no. But like, you know, he's typecast here, but he's great here, too. So, he's yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah. Uh, like I Courtney thought... Cox and uh, Tom Paris do a good job. I like Man at Arms. I like Tila. Billy Barty does a good job. I like the acting here is fairly good. Uh, and fun fact, um, I know Courtney Cox went on to do Friends. I never got into Friends, but I read it in the trivia section here. Um, so, the sorceress is played by Christina Pickles, who in, also plays in Friends as her mom. Oh, God, I did. I did not know that. <laughs> I did not know that either. I, I learned that today, <laughs> which is kind of a cool thing. Um, yeah. Also, a shout out to Meg Foster, who played oh, a really yes. good evil Lynn. They, yeah, Meg Meg. Meg Foster is one of those actresses uh, from the 80s that I don't think gets talked about enough because she's always great. She almost always plays a bad guy, but she's always great. And it's her eyes, too. Like, uh, you've seen yeah. um, They Live, right? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's just her eyes. They're like, that's her natural eye color. They're just like mm-hmm. piercing yeah. like eyes. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, like, I like. All the actors did a really good job. Um, I also really like the costuming. And this, the only costume that I felt was maybe a little lacking was Tila's. Yeah, I was about to say, I think Tila and Man at Arms, it, it, it's Man fine. Man at Arms was, but... was on on point. They didn't really change yeah. up his costume too much. But Tila and... had more of an elaborate costume, especially with the snake armor and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But but here it's just, you know, your typical sci-fi onesie. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And then and then uh, I feel like the He-Man costume kind of feels like almost like leftovers from other movies. And there's not that much because it's He-Man. Um, he does have the harness thing going on. Um, I, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, but I do want to mention like yeah, we'll, we'll the, talk the, about that during another video. <laughs> There are costumes like there's all these alien minions of Skeletor. Like obviously you get Beast Man, who might be my least favorite of those alien looks. Although Blade is just he, a dude. But he there's was the like only... two other aliens that look really good. Really. Yeah, yeah. The Beast Man is an original villain. Which yeah, they did yeah. a good job with. The other three was it three or other two? No, there are three, but uh, Skeletor kills one of them when they fail. Mm. Right. Yeah. So the other three were were new to the 
the movie, but they did issue toys and they they appeared later in other uh, Masters of the Universe cartoons. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the movie was their first appearance. Mm-hmm. But you know, they they were good I, good characters. They, again, they were you know better or more affordable characters than say like Triclops or Trapjaw or something that yeah. would have been more expensive to adapt from the show. So uh, I mean, yeah. that, I, I guess that's why another well, reason people dislike the show was, I'm sorry, dislike the movie because there's yeah. not a lot of secondary characters that were able to translate no, to well, this. The budget of the movie does show in, in, in a couple ways, like Eternia out, like you get one exterior shot of Castle Grayskull and it is the most obvious painting you've ever seen in your life. Oh, yeah. No, um, yeah. Outside of Eternia is all desert. It's all California desert. <laughs> and I feel like that was a bit of a Star Wars influence. And um, is it fair to say that this has a more of a Star Wars influence than like sword and sorcery for this movie? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, there's, I mean, every movie, there's every sci-fi movie in the 80s ha- has owes something to Star Wars without a doubt. Um, yeah, like I felt like even the music was a bit, the music's really good, by the way, um, but it does feel very yeah. like they were going with a John Williams type style. Mm-hmm. Um, well, well, speaking of that, uh, I just remember when I put this on recently, because it, like, I've seen it a lot when I was younger, but it's probably been at least a good 10 years since I popped this on and watched it. Um, the opening credits really seem like a cheap Superman. Agreed. Uh, I've, is, always, I've always thought it was Superman. Yeah, it was Superman. Inspired. But like budget yeah. Superman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, With, the, like, the 3D yeah words they're that really kind of fly in and out they're the not screen. quite sure how to get it so yeah blah. yeah um totally yeah and then and then you see eternia is just kind of this barren wasteland which is boring um they do have a little set set up for gwildor's cave which isn't bad um i love the little joke where he has all these high-tech locks and then he finally he does that little dinky chain thing i thought that was funny <laughs> oh yeah yeah that was that was clever um but yeah I guess we should go over the story briefly. Uh, Gwildor's... Yeah, uh, the beginning of the movie is Skeletor essentially taking over Castle Grayskull and winning. And you find out he's done this because he stole Gwildor's invention, which is a cosmic key, which will take you anywhere. Um, and apparently there's two, because Skeletor has one and Gwildor has one. And they end up essentially trying using the cosmic key to try to uh, go to Castle Grayskull and free the Empress and do all the good stuff. Or Empress, or is it Sorceress? It's Sorceress. Sorceress. It? Yes. Yes. Um, but then that fails. So they use the Cosmic Key to, and just get out of there. And they end up going to Earth, of course, because budget. <laughs> yep. Uh, and yeah, and essentially uh, the rest of the movie takes place on Earth with uh, Skeletor sending his minions there. I guess not the rest, but uh, all pretty much all of Act 2 is going to be on Earth. Um, and yeah, it's just kind of a fun sci-fi movie. I don't have much to, to say other than it's fun. Oh yeah, I want to bring up, of course it's 80s. So the way the Cosmic Key works 
is through synthesizer music, which is pretty much said explicitly through the movie. And it does make cool which sounds. Is, like, I've always thought the Cosmic Cube yes. was a, a cool, a very cool-looking and sounding um, device. Is it? Yes, um, yeah, a lot. The sound effects they use for it, like, they, that you have Tom Paris playing on the Cosmic Key because he thinks it's, like, a cool synthesizer. You know what? And the sounds he's making... Yeah, is a cool synthesizer. <laughs> and I never noticed it, but it has those kind of like sharp looking fork looking things on it. They're yeah. tuning forks. Oh, God, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I, it just now occurred <laughs> to me. It's like it's making music. It, like, well, it's weird that it has little fork things on. Those are totally are probably tuning forks. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or, some, or something um, that would help generate a sound or match up a sound. Yeah, for sure. I never yeah, thought about uh, that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I didn't even think about that either. But yeah, that's a good catch. Uh, yeah, of of course. In the '80s, synthesizer music is all you need in life. <laughs> As I got gotten older and started playing keyboards, so like I'm like noticing, oh, I know what that keyboard is because they have the music store, no product placement yes. whatsoever, but it's filled yeah. with you know signature guitars and keyboards and things like that, and you know I think they even have some shop signs for like uh korg and um yeah. gibson and things like yeah, that I think, and i'm sure you see a korg and somewhere. <laughs> it's just kind of like um but no um uh the, also i really liked the uh the castle grayskull interior designs yeah there's that one huge i think there's only one huge set they use and they, they use the crap out of it which obviously they would that being said, it's not a bad set. Yeah. It's, um, when they it's actually cool... built sets for this, it was decent. They only really have two I can think of. Uh, uh, unless the Earth stuff. The Earth stuff's probably like on location, modified mostly. Yeah. I, I could maybe some of the scenes in the gym where they're doing the fire yeah, work and stuff was, was probably the, the a set or a soundstage. Um, the, the gym and the music shop might have been uh, a stage of some sort. Or it might have yeah. been like uh it might have just been like an empty warehouse they're able to get a hold of or something. Um because right. they do some damage to those sets. <laughs> well, um, and of course outside the gym there's that box room, of course, which all cheap movies have a box room. Oh <laughs> uh, with the empty boxes. He just <laughs> yeah. they're swinging the boxes oh, God, around. Like, an empty box at me. <laughs> oh, you know, they're just getting ready for re- recycling week and they just happen yeah, to have yeah, yeah. empty boxes laying around. I I, I like when I have empty boxes, I like to fold them into the big box shape so they take up the most amount of room and just stack <laughs> them up. <laughs> I tell I yeah. <laughs> Um So yeah, but, uh, very um very entertaining. I'm trying to Yeah, it's um it's, it's it's not the perfect movie at all. But like it's fun. Listen, I would say this. If you're going into this like, hey, I want a cool Master of the Universe movie. You're going to watch this. You're going to be like, oh, this doesn't work. But if you just go into it looking for like a cheesy B sci-fi movie, you're going to have a lot of fun. I think there's a lot of fun to be had here. Um, If nothing else, you got to watch Frank Langella's uh, performance. Uh, He is chewing scenery as Skeletor, and it's delightful. I think he was... He came up with some of his own dialogue, too, for, for that... Oh, it wouldn't, surprise, um, it wouldn't surprise me if he was just saying stuff and they're like, yeah, yeah, do it. <laughs> yeah, because I, I mean, like you look back on the show and, you know, the, the Skeletor on the show is very much 
kind of like almost like the Joker. He's very yeah. like, you know, the cheesy high pitched voice and making puns and just comic book. But here, like, uh, is Langella Frank Langella? How do you yeah. pronounce his last name? He, it's more Langella. of like he's more of like a he has like a human element to him, and yet some of the conversations. A couple things really struck me from his performances. Um, the line where he said, "Like you know, tell me about loneliness, he man." Is it like is the loneliness of good equal to the loneliness of evil? And I'm like, that's pretty. Like, you wouldn't expect to see that in a kids show. That that kind of dialogue. Yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. So um, they're, they're trying to make it seem like they're equals. They're not like it's not like you're a bad guy. It's like, well, we both are kind of like the same person or the same type of person, but we just are on different sides of the fence, kind of. Yeah, potentially. Um, the other- um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much that worked for me, but I don't know. I just love his over the top stuff. But you are right. It's actually then you brought it up, and now I'm like, yeah, he's actually more over the top in the cartoon. Yeah. Like, no matter how much he chooses the scenery here, I don't think he can reach that cop- cartoon Skeletor who was just like intense. <laughs> well, he's like uh, another thing with Frank's performance um, th- that like always, like he had a lot of nonverbal performances too that were, um, very different like uh, when they're whipping he-man with the electric whip like he's just kind of sitting mm-hmm. in the chair and he's hiding behind his staff watching and, you know he's like every time the whip cracks you can see him like shake and eventually he says yeah. he's like no that's enough you need to stop you know stop so it's like he has these human elements to him where like the the cartoon skeletor you know is just over the top and you yeah. know, so yeah, oh, for sure. So I props. Mean, that was... I don't like. It's been a while since I watched the cartoon, but one thing I remember is that Skeletor is just a bit intense. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, not I, like uh, scary intense. Just oh my god, oh my god. yeah, just stop. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, but, yeah. great, great uh, performance there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Check this movie out. Um. If you're just looking for a fun, cheesy, low-budget sci-fi movie, this is this is going to be right up your alley. Um, there are, like, I've seen lots of bad movies, and I'm going to tell you, this is not one of them. No. <laughs> yeah, and I think, like, what does IMDb have this rated? Like a 5.3? I think that's a little... Oh, uh, that's a good question 5.3 does seem pretty low i i would this. give Although, this honestly, i would give this surprise me oh go ahead oh i i i don't know i, I was about to say with fans on there it wouldn't surprise me if this is even lower than 5.3 um i know like we talked about dr mordred uh, a couple weeks ago which is like an off-brand uh, dr strange movie and yeah i definitely thought this was way more entertaining than that um, and for some reason, my IMDb doesn't want to load my search. So that's, uh, oh, that's fun. cool. That's cool. <laughs> I'd give this like a solid, like 6.5. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. Six, 
Yeah. I don't know if I'd quite give it a seven. Maybe. I don't know. It's entertaining. Yeah, it's very entertaining. It's our, it, like I said, it. If you're looking for B movie fun, this is this is this is it. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's a delight. The visuals are really nice. The music is excellent. Um, you know, the design that has a good flow to it. It doesn't seem like there's weird pacing or, you know, minus that one jarring transition like I mentioned earlier. Yeah. It's, you know, no, it's it's a fun flick. I, you know, this is yeah, one that well, I think I I put on every few years. Well, everybody like will attack this. Oh, they're just going to Earth for the low budget thing, and yeah, they are. And it's like, but that doesn't automatically mean bad. I mean, that was the plot of Star Trek Four, and Star Trek Four is a good one. Everybody agrees. So, like, just going to Earth to save money is not automatically bad, people. Well, and, and it's you know, even in the cart, the cartoon show had more sorcery, more magical elements, and they were yeah, they were oh, for sure they were able huh? like Orko could make portals and they could jump between Eternia. Um, and I think uh, Etheria is Shira's planet that she went to a different planet and they could jump back and forth to different areas, different planets and think not so much time, but they could. Yeah. So it's not too far fetched. That, that seems familiar. Yeah. So. Um, oh, but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, they were planning on having Shira in this movie but that never made it past the design stage yeah well I think there's probably a lot of ideas they want to do for this movie but yeah they definitely hit budget issues yeah uh, <laughs> so I mean it was but a flop because um, I think at this point yeah. 87 like it was the hype for um, the franchise was starting to die down a little bit mm-hmm. so they never really made a second one yeah, and this is actually one of the very first post credit scenes is this movie. Um, you're right. And yeah, you're yeah. right. Uh, Marvel used them all the time now, but b- before Master of the Universe, they were kind of unheard of. <laughs> so it, it started the trend. I, I can't think of. Um, I can't think of an earlier example. I mean, I'm sure there had to have been some. But, there probably is, but yeah. But I no, can't. There's only like a handful before Marvel. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't think of one that I've seen prior to this. So, I think there, I think there has to be, but yeah, I, I can't think of an earlier one than this. I gotta tell Google us in the it. comments how wrong we are and all the post credit <laughs> scenes we're missing. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so are we ready to talk about Labyrinth, or is there anything you think you want to add? Um, I was just going to. Oh, here we go. The first film to feature a post credit scene is The Silencers from 1966. I I totally have seen that for sure. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Another one was Young Sherlock Holmes. From 85. We You showed that to me in college. I'm pretty sure I saw that with you. Yeah. Um, and yeah, then they mentioned Masters of the Universe. So yeah, it was definitely a big, a big one for, um, yeah, starting the trend. Yeah. Oh yeah. But yeah. Uh. But yeah, yeah. yeah let's talk movie. about. Mm. Yeah, let's talk about uh, Labyrinth. Okay. So you might be thinking, underrated movies, Labyrinth. Doesn't everybody love Labyrinth? And my answer would be, 
I know somebody who didn't love Labyrinth. Uh, and that'd be someone... Well, it's Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert gave this uh, a two-star review. Which All right, is I'm going to give kind of his surprising. review two thumbs, two thumbs down for that review. I would have to give it two thumbs down, too. It's like, dude, <laughs> what movie were you watching? This movie is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, we were just talking about, like, the limits of Masters of the Universe sets. This movie is kind of jarring in comparison because these sets are all over the place and they all have their own, like, look. And this is a crazy world that uh, Jim Henson set up here. Um, um, all for David Bowie to play in. <laughs> yeah. So let's start with Bowie. Um, so for, for a lot of kids, um, when did you see this, Bob? I want to say I probably saw it when it came out on VHS. That, I don't yeah, think, we, I don't remember seeing it in the theater. I, don't I, I didn't either, but I'm pretty sure I saw it on VHS. Um, so, yeah, that would have been the following year. So, um, yeah, Bowie. That that was like my first <laughs> exposure to Bowie. <laughs> it's almost certainly my first exposure to Bowie, too. And I think even like watching post, uh, not post credit, but like behind the scenes, which I must have seen when I was younger. I remember them talk about Bowie and I was like, who's Bowie? I don't know who Bowie is. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, for us, when we were kids, you know, when this came out, you know, we were probably like six or so watching it. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, we we weren't familiar with Bowie prior to this. So we for yeah. us, we were just watching, you know, the movie as it was, you know, there wasn't any like expectations like, oh, yeah. wonder if Bowie's songs are going to be any good or why is Bowie now yeah. acting? He's why are they yeah. casting <laughs> Bowie in this? Um, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and also like that weird, uh, that weird time where you look at your parents and you ask them, "Hey, what's a love injection?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, Bowie. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I. I know this was a J- Jim Henson did all the puppetry but i think unlike dark crystal because this was this was lucasfilm too like industrial light and magic worked on this one um i think lucas had an executive yeah i'm actually looking at the poster right now yeah it's executive producer george lucas directed by jim henson yeah those are the only credits on there besides bowie and conley yeah and I think it was. Uh, I guess George... Conley. Go ahead. I was just gonna say Conley's on there probably because her role is so big. But I believe this is like, isn't this like her first role, or at least her well, uh, definitely her first big role? I think it's sure. her first big role. I I feel like she's done at least small things before this. I, I love yeah. the power of the internet, where I can just kind of like, yeah, look things up so I can pretend like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Mm-hmm. yeah yeah for sure yes i know i didn't google that what the fuck are you talking about uh, her first gig was she was um underground cult member in duran duran's union of the snake the music video holy shit i've seen that <laughs> i don't remember her in that that's had to be a like a blink and you miss it role <laughs> yeah um fun fact duran duran has awesome music videos <laughs> oh yeah yeah, Duran Duran is awesome, and I have no shame in saying that. 
I legitimately do really like him. Oh um, no, I, I'm all for Duran Duran here. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, I think I think Lucas had the idea. It's like okay, the Goblin King. We should cast you know a well-known rock star. And I don't know if you know like Iggy Pop was considered or. And you mentioned Sting, but I think Dune was out at that point, and they didn't want to reuse somebody who had already that. done like a music slash film crossover. God, it wasn't that long ago when I watched that movie because that new one came out, and I'm not gonna lie, I totally blinked that he was. <laughs> uh, that movie's a bit of a slog. It's a bit of a chore. <laughs> the original Dune. Yes. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I, I do like, like the it. new one. I like. Yeah, I the new one was. Really really good and i i enjoyed the original but it's you're right the, it's a very slow paced movie um oh, i forgot what what was i looking up um yeah labyrinth trivia um and i watched the dark crystal um the other day my brother came and stayed with us and um mm-hmm. He had never seen it, so we watched Dark Crystal. And um, I feel like Labyrinth's a little more timeless with the, yeah. the visuals and the pacing. And um, oh yeah, all the puppets and stuff—they're so good here. Um, the fact when you see David Bowie playing with that ball thing where he's waving his hands, and you actually have a guy standing behind him to do that to make that look convincing. Yeah, so you, you have seen, about, uh, yeah. You so you have seen that documentary at least. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the guy talks about how much harder it is to do it behind David Bowie's back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It looks great though. <laughs> no, it does. It really does. Um It looks like David Bowie's actually playing with his balls. Wait a minute. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wait. <laughs> um Okay, so I'll I'll take over the story one here. Um Ooh, okay. So it, it kind of has a Wizard of Oz kind of um, formula where it's implied that she, it could be in her head. Like she's just totally batshit crazy and like she went inside her own head. Because um, mm-hmm. there's things around her room like uh, characters that you see in the in the story are, you know, characters she has on her shelf or they're on, on a book. If you pay attention to what's around her room, you'll see references to things that she encounters in the movie. So, Oh, and you want to know one thing I noticed that I don't think I ever noticed before? That I, I saw the newspaper clippings. Mm-hmm. And it looks like the... I didn't even think about it before, but watching it this time, it looks like newspaper clippings for the accolades for her mother as an actress. It's like, oh, oh my god, I never put that together before. I never noticed that. Interesting. Yeah, because she has a, a dad and a stepmom here, and uh, I kind of assumed the, her mother died at some point, but like they don't like focus on that at all. Well, you're but, right, because yeah. there's the, the stepmom, so you never knew what really happened yeah. with the mom. And they didn't really talk about it either. It was no. just your your typical, you know, new stepmom, you know, teenager isn't happy kind of thing. Yeah, um, but there's a there's like this uh, there's this like this scrapbook, and you see newspaper clippings about this uh, this woman actress, and you see like couple about this same actress, and it's like I bet you that's supposed to be her biological mom. It's like I'm gonna I, have to I, rewatch I, that now. Yeah, that, that's interesting. No, it, it no, you, it's like after you see like when they do the first pass through of her room, you see where the wild things are, and then you see like 
the, the yeah. couple of the stuffed animals. You see a labyrinth. And I think the newspaper clippings are right after the labyrinth, the labyrinth game. <laughs> yeah, she had the labyrinth board game in there. Yeah. Not not the board game based on the movie, but there's this there's this old wooden game called Labyrinth. Yeah. It's a box and it's a marble that you tilt the board kind of like a maze trying to get the marble to the end without it dropping mm-hmm. into any of the holes board. Um, yeah, and hers is way fancier than mine ever was. <laughs> yeah, I know you had it because we played it a couple of times. Yeah, I think it um, might be up. That's why I was looking up there. I was like, can I grab it quickly? I don't. Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> um, so, no, though, none of the human characters partake in the actual story apart. Well, the dog, her dog um, is Ambrotus. Oh, Ambrosius was. Uh... Oh yeah, Sir, yeah, Sir Didius yeah, rides him. Yeah, that's her. Yeah. That's the same yeah, dog. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Yes, for sure. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Spoilers if you haven't seen the movie but want to know what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> um, she has to babysit the her baby brother. Um, She's jealous because the baby gets all the attention. The baby isn't cooperating, mm-hmm. going to sleep. So she calls the Goblin King from her her book, the the a labyrinth book that she has, because she has a fantasy of doing dress up and living out you know stories. The Goblin King ap- appears to take the you know the the little brother away. She said she didn't really mean it, but he then challenges her with the quest that she solves the labyrinth. She can rescue her little brother and take her home. Mm-hmm. So interesting kind of, you know, usually with like these, um, you know, your hero's quest stories, it's usually the male rescuing the princess in distress. But here mm-hmm. it's, you know, a strong female character rescuing, you know, a baby, her brother. I didn't even think um, about that. But yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, Bowie would be the the dragon waiting at the center. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she encounters, you know, like every classic story, she encounters a group that helps her. Um, there's Hoggle, um, Ludo, the big beast, and um, mm-hmm. and then Sir Didymus. Sir Didymus. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, she goes through the different... And it's not all mazes. You'd think it would be just a big maze, but there's like... There's ins and outs. There's um, different Puzzles. areas. Yeah. yeah, they're like solving a puzzle to get out of... Um, and then, yeah, it has all the, the, there's a musical element that goes along with it, which were the songs by Bowie (laughs) and they're actually really, really good songs. And as far as Bowie goes, they're pretty solid songs. Yeah. Uh, Bowie's a great artist and these are great songs. They kind of go right in line with his, uh, classic stuff, honestly. Yeah. Um, and then there's also the score by Trevor Jones, which bleeds fairly seamlessly with the Bowie stuff, I always felt. Yeah. Uh, maybe just because I grew up with it, but I always felt like t- sonically they worked together really well. A couple of the songs I think they collaborated on, and that's kind of how they yeah, were able to Yeah, I know there's them. at least one. Yeah. I think Underground, there's a version where they're like, both their versions of the songs are like meshed together, and it, it sounds, it works. It works. Yeah, totally. Um yeah, as, as I mentioned earlier, I, I th- think it was done by ILM with with uh, Jim Henson. I think so too. Yeah, um, 
Because, I mean, it's one of the, it's like the special effects here, I think, are too good to not have been ILM. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, just all the effects work in this for, I mean, not even for the time, even for now, like the puppeteering work and stuff, that that still looks amazing today. Yeah, the, the um, sets, the way they blend with the matte paintings, the matte paintings aren't obvious or anything. Mm-hmm. Maybe a couple the of one, shots. But... I was about to say the one sh- scene that doesn't, hold up particularly well as the chili down scene those those the, guys look so superimposed anymore <laughs> uh, the blue screen work is a little rough there yeah 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 um, usually it's pretty good here but yeah there it's like ooh. <laughs> um but it's i mean i think you know kids still really get into it um my, this oh, is yeah. actually my niece this is actually her her all-time favorite movie is this movie oh oh I did not know that, but my, uh, yeah. I plugged, I, I was telling, uh, I actually got my son to watch both the, the movies we watched this week. Uh, I got him to sit down and watch them with me oh, yeah. like this one. I wasn't, this one, I didn't even have to hype up for him because, uh, this, this one I had to wait to watch on Saturday because that's when I picked up the copy and I didn't even have to hype it up for him. I just, I plugged in, he's playing with his toys and all of a sudden he's sitting down watching it. <laughs> it's like, so oh, he, he which must one did like he enjoy it. more? Did he? this one compared to masters of the universe. I think he must've enjoyed this one more. Cause I did like master of the universe. I was like, Hey, do you want to watch this? Like, okay, sure. And I showed him a little bit of the cartoon before we watched it. And then this one, I didn't even hype up for him. I was just like, I'm going to plug it in. And he's like, okay, he's playing with his toys. And then, then he, he stopped playing with his toys and watched it. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, it's usually that's a awesome. good sign of kids. That's yeah. awesome. When you have, you know, sometimes like, um, I remember, my dad and my my grandpa, um, you know, wanted to share some of their movies. And, I mean, of course, there's a big shift now because, you know, when Color first came out, anything that was black and white seemed like it was eons ago, even if it was only mm, like 40 yeah. or 50 years ago. So th- there's that. Um, but I feel like the 80s and why some of these movies hold up really well today, it, it was really like the start of like modern kind of cinema like cinematography like i think like i feel like special effects not all not all 80s movies some definitely were ahead of the game as you know than others but it was you know still it was believable for the time and looking back on it you know a lot of the special effects still kind of hold up and you know maybe that's the reason why kids still really get into some of these movies today yeah for sure so, yeah well i think I miss uh, Muppets. I would like to see more Muppets and stuff. I think the last time we seriously... Well, I guess there was that uh, Dark Crystal series, which I actually wanted to watch. But my eldest think is much into it, and I wanted to watch it with them. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Um, it, it, look, it looked good. I really liked the first episode. And I'm, I want to also stress, Dark Crystal is one of those movies I never really got into, but I always thought it was an interesting world. And I kind of felt like the first episode was like, here we're going to explore the world and i'm like yes more of that i mean yeah um uh now i brought up roger ebert earlier and i i do want to stress roger ebert's one of those guys like i think everybody who's does any sort of film critique like on the internet at all you owe something to roger ebert i just want to state that straight up 
Like, Roger Ebert and Gene Sisko kind of made the idea of, like, doing, like, video forms of uh, reviews. They made that a thing. Um, and I generally, you know, I generally agree with most of his reviews. But yes. this this is one that I don't so much agree with. But most of the other ones that I've read of, of his from movies that I liked, I pretty much agree with them or movies that i dislike yeah. <laughs> i usually agree with him not always but i usually agree with him um but yeah he talks about on here how like the effects are impressive but he didn't like how essentially it all end up being like kind of a dream which spoiler it kind of is it's like wizard but of oz you know it's up to yeah. you to decide if if well i mean they they do at, at the very end the characters appear to her at the end of the movie. Yeah. And then yeah. Bowie's kind of watching from a distance and then flies away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the is it a dream? Yeah. Is it? Is it not? Yeah. Does it matter? Um, this is definitely a st- type of story where it's like the journey is way more important than the destination because the journey is just fun in this movie. Um, but also it's a lot about like uh, Sarah learning. Because the beginning of this movie, Sarah's pretty insufferable. She is like, I mean, she's like, I don't know. I want to say she's like the worst teenager because, I mean, she's going to babysit her little brother. That's that's pretty cool for a teenager. But, like, she is, like, really, like, freaking out over it. And it's like, oh, my God, relax. You're going to be okay. <laughs> well, Yeah. But, like, it's kind of her learning, you know, what's important in life and it's it's a nice story, honestly. Um, so I like he he has that complaint, and I don't really think that holds water. Um, so I would disagree with that. And then the other complaint is that it doesn't have a strong plot line. Which okay, I don't know. I'm kind of fine with it. I'm kind of yeah. I but mean, I, I'm I'm not sure what he's looking for. <laughs> I mean, like the plot isn't like entirely all original it's really like the world yeah. that that plot takes in takes place in that makes it interesting but you know not every well, not every movie has to be like you know has to have a plot that takes you by surprise or something that you've never seen before you know mm-hmm. sometimes it's kind of how well, you I- change up you know just the world yeah that things well, take like, place in. it's it's like I brought up, it's, this movie is totally about the journey. It's not about the destination. If you're just watching thinking, oh my gosh, she's got to get to Toby. Oh my gosh, she's got to get to Toby. If you're just watching it with that mindset, I could see how this could drive you nuts. But this is this is about an adventure in a labyrinth with Muppets. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and it's not like what you would expect, too, from Jim Henson either. Like, usually you think Muppets and you go, okay, yeah, I know stuff, Dark Crystal and things yeah. like that. But it's completely the design of of the puppets here are, you know, very unique. There hasn't been anything yeah. that, you know, Jim Henson has done like this outside of this movie. Well, also, like the introducing, the introducing, the introduction of uh, Hoggle. You literally are introduced to him while he's taking a piss. <laughs> and he's spraying the uh, the fairies, and the fairies are beautiful. Yeah. When she picks one up, and it bites her, and she drops it. Like, ow, I didn't expect that. It's like, yeah, well, that's how fairies are. It's why I'm sitting there <laughs> with the bugs 
spray. Yeah, yeah. Essentially, it seems like it seems like fairies are like mosquitoes in this universe. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. oh goddamn, these things suck. <laughs> no, it's it's. I like I like what this movie does. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. I I do not agree with his review here. I don't have. It's weird. I don't have strong like. Oh, how dare you? Um, he doesn't like how. There are scenes where there's a, a fake head used for Toby where I'm like a fake head. OK, yeah. What do you mean? Where it's like a fake baby. And I'm like, OK, <laughs> I don't remember seeing that. It says is it what, one what, of the key characters since. Is it when he's being like tossed he, up and down by and during the, no, the I'm dance not scene? sure. Huh. One of the key characters in this film is Toby played by Toby Frond. Frond is a midget who has been given a Muppet head to wear, and although the head is a good special effect construction, I kept wanting to see real eyes, real expression, and effects didn't add up. I don't I thought Toby recall, was a little kid. I don't recall that shot. Or any shots yeah, like I, that. I, listen, listen. I always thought Toby was a little kid. If Toby is actually just like a midget and that's a fake head, and in in like a lot of those shots... I'm going to say that's impressive, but I don't think it is. I think I think he might be wrong, honestly. On I that. mean, there's um, let me look scenes. There's a couple of scenes like, you know, the dance scene where Bowie is kind of like tossing yeah. him up in the air. And then, yeah, well, you can tell like in the close ups, he's doing like the careful tossing you do with actual kids. And then in the far off shot, he does the huge toss when it's obviously like yeah. a doll. <laughs> and and uh, trying to think later in the movie. When when they're in the um the room with all the stairs going all directions, I felt like no, but he he didn't really move a lot in that okay. scene. Toby Frond was two when this was filmed. Yeah, he he was. <laughs> I think Ebert's not wrong. quite. I <laughs> mean, not quite a toddler. Yeah, he might have been two or three. So like. I I think Ebert's wrong. <laughs> I think he's just a little kid. I mean, this is another one of those movies yeah. that you know we had on VHS at home and watched it mm-hmm. over and over and over again. It's one of those like you've seen a movie so many times, you know, like every single beat of every scene, and like I, there's yeah nothing that occurs to me that matches up with what he's talking about. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, th- I can't think like of that. I can't head. think I, of that shot. I think that's just yeah a regular head. And yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. So like he, yeah, he's younger than we are. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's just a little kid. I don't think that's a midget with a fake head. <laughs> and if it is a midget with a fake head, God, that's a convincing looking fake head. I'm gonna look for he's it talking now. About. <laughs> yeah. And like, is it actually no, there, or is Ebert is. just making up shit because he didn't like the movie? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. It 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 strikes me as a weird complaint because it's like, dude, if that's fake, that that looks great. But I don't think it's fake. I don't. I I think the like what you mentioned earlier. The only shot in the movie that just absolutely does not hold up is just the blue screen work with the uh, the fire gang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does not. Which, uh, you know. I mean, the close-ups are fine, but when they have, like, the wide shots and, you, you know, you yeah. see the group of them dancing and she's kind of in the middle of them, it's like the blue screen work is... They look like they're cut out and pasted on there. They, it's, and, it's not good. <laughs> and I've noticed that, too, even with, like, like when they put 
Star Wars and Indiana Jones out on like DVD. Like, I think it's a little more noticeable when you're watching something in a better definition than watching something on, yeah. on you know, VHS. Well, it's, uh, Bob, Bobby and I encountered this last week when we talked about Jurassic Park. Like, the puppeteering work in Jurassic Park looks amazing, but in 4K, the CGI actually starts to show a little bit. And it's like, oh my god, I've never noticed the CGI before. I'm never... <laughs> so the scenes where they use both, it's actually really well done. But the only CGI oh, shot yeah. that really bugs me is at the beginning of the movie with the brontosauruses. I'm like... Yes, yes. Yeah. But that's the mm-hmm. worst of it. Once you get past that scene... In the movie, yeah. the the rest of it's totally fine, and it's actually, yeah. I consider that movie one of those milestone special effects movies. Oh, it absolutely is. Yeah, uh, yeah that the that movie's great. Uh, but yeah, so is Labyrinth. Uh, but yeah, a good movie. If you've not seen Labyrinth, I think most people have seen Labyrinth. Although there are many people who haven't. If you haven't seen Labyrinth, don't worry about anything we've told you. This movie's an experience. Like I said, yeah. this movie's about the journey. It's not about the end. So, like, knowing the story. Like, does it matter if we told you she gets her brother at the end? Because, like, you know it'd be fucked up if she didn't, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is not that type of movie. <laughs> yeah, and this is a movie, too. Like, it's it's a good family movie. You know, you can watch mm-hmm. this with your kids. You can watch it with your mm-hmm. grandma. It's a very, very entertaining, you know, family mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. And one thing I did want to bring up. I go though, though I think we're pretty much done. But I did want to bring it up that David Bowie, I will always regret this because he was always one of those concerts I always wanted to go to, and now he's gone. And yeah. I remember when he passed. It's like, oh fuck. Ah. <laughs> I know. I it was one of those where I'm like, I remember that that day. I'm like, uh. Yeah. That yeah. Was, yeah. Was, that's a rough one. He's definitely one of those music artists where I was like. You know, and like Freddie Mercury might have been bigger, but I wasn't really listening to Queen when he passed. I was definitely listening to Bowie when he passed. And I was just like, oh, yeah. And shit. it's, you know, you know, for, for a lot of us who were kids when this came out, like, you know, a good chunk of us probably started listening to Bowie because of this movie. Yeah, you know? for sure. I, mean, I wasn't like, you know, listening to his entire catalog when I was six years old. But, you know, there was, mm-hmm. you know as we got into the nineties, he had a lot of songs that I really liked. And I probably um, should just sit down and listen to his entire catalog at some point. I know I haven't, I have like a half dozen or so albums. Yeah. It's, it, it varies. It's like, um, he has some albums that are really, 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 really solid. And, and others that are, you know, well known for a couple of songs. And yeah, so, well, but they're all good. They're definitely all good. Yeah, like I was about ready to say, like the like I don't like love all his albums, but like I appreciate all his albums if that makes sense. Because like yeah. even the ones where I'm not as thrilled with him, I'm like I, I appreciate what he's trying to do because he's always like experimenting. Okay, twenty six studio albums. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, he did the he did a like um, three albums with Brian Eno and they're famously known as the Berlin trilogy. Um, but they had kind of like the prototype for what, like, uh, like synth rock was going to start becoming 
um, and they had a lot of. Okay, um, now, now you've got me interested. Which ones are those? <laughs> uh, it's Lodger, Low, and Heroes. And of course, everyone oh, knows, knows yeah, the Heroes sure. songs. But those albums yeah. also have a lot of um, instrumental stuff, kind of like soundtrack kind of sounding pieces, mm-hmm. which are really cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I really, I highly recommend those. And I think he did some stuff with Eno in the nineties when he was doing like some of the more like industrial kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, Eno's another guy where I don't like everything he does, but I, I always appreciate everything he does. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like I, I wasn't like, um, Brian Eno was what made like rock the first couple Roxy music albums kind of like yeah but when he started yeah. doing like the ambient stuff it was really cool yeah like like it was interesting when he was part of Roxy music because it was uh it's like you could definitely feel his influence like and it I don't even, it was like I don't even want to say it was part of Roxy music it felt like you had the normal Roxy music sound which I guess back then that would have been normal rock music sound, but listening to it from my perspective, you had that normal rock music sound plus some funky electronic stuff kind of added in. <laughs> and it, yeah. it, was, it was cool. <laughs> it was cool. Yeah, then he broke away, did producing. I think he did, yeah. he did the first Devo album with, I think. He pr- Yeah, he did. I uh, don't know, but it's, it's totally possible. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's right. I think when he was done producing Bowie, he did that, that first Devo record mm-hmm. well i yeah. guess uh relating this back to earlier podcasts we've done together uh it was in uh phil collins book where he talks about how when they were recording the lamb lies down on broadway like they were downstairs from where brian eno was working on his uh, i want to say his green valley album or whatever and mm. they all end up going to visit him because they're all huge fans of uh or peter mike and tony were all huge fans of him uh, and then Phil ended up recording drums for his out al- that album on him for him. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to remember which one it was. Huh, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, I haven't heard a ton of Brian Eno's solo stuff. I know like the music for airports kind of albums. Like there's a whole ambient series that he did that's really good. Yes, yes, I. Another Green World. God, where did I get Valley from? Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I've heard that one. Okay. Yes, yes. I don't know where I got Valley from. Maybe Green Valley. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, anyways, yeah, Brian, Brian Eno <laughs> did several Bowie yes, albums. Yes. <laughs> Bowie. Yes, yes, he did. Uh-huh. But, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, kind of a, a loose sidetrack. But, like, Bowie Bowie's a great musical artist, too. If you're, if you're not, if you're looking for, like, if you haven't listened to David Bowie, which you're under an impressive rock, <laughs> but yeah, um, check them out. <laughs> I, something that's interesting time frames for Bowie. He put this soundtrack down year that he did. Never let, let me down. I think. Hmm. I just had that open too. I mean, and it's almost like never let me down is one. That's not like super well, received with fans well, I do think it's interesting because like he has albums that aren't like really super well received with fans but even usually those are ones I enjoy or like again I appreciate like looking back on it it's like it's 
Feels good. Yeah, it was 87. So that was probably around the same time. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, the songs on Labyrinth, I feel are stronger songs than uh, what made it onto Never Let Me Down. But not that it's bad. Yeah. Just just an ob- observation. Um, yeah. Um, oh, Time Will Crawl. Okay. Yeah. I ha- That's one I haven't listened to yet. But yeah. Well, there's some good cuts on that, this one. Um, yeah. Well, Time Will Crawl is awesome. That's a good one. Glass <laughs> Spider is a very experimental song that's kind of cool um beat of your drum yeah time will crawl are all solid songs mm-hmm. um but yeah i guess uh i guess anything to add to labyrinth or bowie <laughs> uh, before we wrap up just one final thing for Lab- labyrinth um uh david bowie calls hoggle he can't remember Hoggle's name throughout the movie. And one of them, one of the names that he calls Hoggle is Hogwart. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that this could be a separate video. Um, but there's another movie called troll. Did I ever watch that one with you, Bob? There's troll one I and troll so. two. That's the one with Harry Potter and Harry Potter two. Right? Yeah. I know I've seen troll two. So <laughs> I almost wondered if, you know, JK Rowling pulled some of her like names and things from various, you know, movies that she liked. Maybe yeah. she who must not be named. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she must. did. I name her out loud. <laughs> oh God, she's <laughs> evil. <laughs> uh, such a shame too. I, I can just I couldn't know. believe that. It's like what? Why? Why you gotta be that way? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, that yeah, that's really all I have to say about labyrinth yeah uh labyrinth labyrinth is fun uh but yes so next week bobby will be coming back after his vacation with his family unacceptable what's up with that yeah what's up with that but anyways he'll be back we'll be talking about uh top gun 2 jurassic world and oh star trek 5 star trek and then george you'll be coming Yes, yes. Did you We're going through to... the Star Treks whenever we have an open spot. Oh, <laughs> gotcha. Okay. We're at five. And then, and then George will be coming back at some point, do a Garbage and Tears for Fears album ranking. Probably next month. We'll have to figure out the dates for that. Um, I still need to brush up on my, my garbage because I, um, I only know the first two albums. So uh, I, get, I need to get on that. Yeah, the first two are good. Yeah, it's 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 worth diving into though, because like, yeah, their their discography is interesting. You kind of see how the band develops as they go. Okay, but yes, they actually have the same number of albums as Tears for Fears. <laughs> seven. Yes. Is it seven? Actually, that was seven a wild guess. Seven. <laughs> yeah, it's seven and seven. Yeah. Okay. And Tears for Fears actually just reached seven. Garbage actually hit seven before Tears for Fears. <laughs> I have heard the new Tears for Fears. So I picked that one up. Yeah, it's, so have I. It's uh, it's good. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I will actually say I actually prefer the new Garbage album, though, which I thought was shocking. But yes. <laughs> well, I will check it out. Brian actually really likes Garbage. So. Um, he... I like them, too. They're growing on me a lot the past couple of years, especially yeah. with the new album. I was like, this is good. This is. Yeah, he has most of them on CD, so I can really pull them out when I have time. <laughs> Mm. So, but yeah, 
I will I will get on uh, that yeah. for sure. Awesome. Well, we'll be talking about that sometime next month. Uh, yep. But yeah, until next week, everybody take care. All right. <laughs> Bye, everybody. I want to go ahead and add some audio credits at the end here. Uh, the theme music you're hearing at the beginning and end of this podcast was uh, written and performed by George Johnson, a very good friend of mine. And my current Patreons are uh, Fel Martins, David Lara, and Lindsay Painkhurst. If you'd like to become a patron, go ahead and follow the link down below. Anything you can provide would be incredibly helpful to this channel. We're barely limping by right now. Uh, I'd love to make this my full-time job, but I'm miles away from that right now. So any help you could provide, just a dollar a month would be amazing. You know you want to. All your friends are doing it.